may not look like much. But she's got it where it counts, kid. This is the Millennial Falcon. I'm Josh. And I'm John. And welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I have no idea what I was about to say. <laughs> oh, this should. You can leave this in or you can get rid of it. I don't right. know. Uh, today, we are talking about none other than episode one. What episode one you're asking? Thanks for asking that important question. I was asking. Oh, thank you, John. Yeah. Uh, it is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Only the greatest Star Wars movie to ever be made. And now everyone has turned off the episode. Thanks. <laughs> I'm now joking. We I'm have joking. no more listeners. Everybody's uh, like, we're out. But actually, I okay. I will say this because even with that comment, I bet you there's some people that are listening. It's like, oh no, Phantom Menace was actually pretty good. And then there's the other like Star Wars fan audience that's like, um, no, Phantom Menace sucks. Um, I do love the Phantom Menace. I you know what? That. I've so let's just get this out of the way. I'm a new Star Wars fan, and I think I'm only a Star Wars fan because you suggested it to me. Probably. So like, I remember 2019 Christmas break. 2019, I was off of work for a week, and I delved through mm-hmm. all nine of the movies. Yeah. Of the like the canon movies, but save for like I didn't watch Solo until later. I didn't watch Rogue One until later. None of the TV shows. I just breathe a lot. <laughs> I think I'm just a little nervous. I don't know. But so I watched all the, all, not all of them, but I watched nine of the movies and I was like, wow, this is a really good story. Mm-hmm. And I got really into it. And I don't think I've seen any other one twice besides now I've seen Phantom Menace twice and I've seen Revenge of the Sith twice. Okay. Because Revenge of the Sith I saw in theaters when I was like, I don't even know. I must have been quite young yet, still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Phantom Menace came out in 1999, and I don't know when Revenge of the Sith came out, but I'm, I would I assume... I almost want to say it's 2006, because I wasn't even in high school yet. Yeah. I was. I would say around there, within a within a year or two of that time frame, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I have been a Star Wars fan for a long time. In fact... The Phantom Menace is the earliest memory I have of seeing a movie in theaters. In general, like in any general, movie. any wow. movie. I, I I have two very early movies that I feel like were like the first movies I ever saw, and that's Toy Story two, and The Phantom Menace, which uh, I actually don't remember when Toy Story two came out, but I think they were very close, and uh, I think Phantom Menace was first though, if I remember correctly. I think Toy Story two came out in like two thousand two thousand one maybe. Um, I want to say it was like 90, yeah. 97, 98, but I could be wrong. I remember the first movie I saw in the theater was Rush Hour 2. Rush Hour 2 was your first movie? Yeah, I was like, I think I must have been about 12 years old. 1999, same year. Hmm. Toy Story 2 came out the same oh, year. Oh. Um, so those were the two movies that I remember seeing the earliest. So I would have been like seven years old. Um, yeah. but the Phantom Menace was huge. Like the, I, it was one of the only VHSs that we owned. Like there was a handful of them, but that was one of the only Star Wars movies that we actually owned on VHS. I've seen it so many times. Like I can't even remember how many times I've seen this movie. 
Um, but it's been quite a while since I've seen it, since we rewatched. Um, but yeah, I've always been a big Star Wars fan. Like, my, me and my cousins, like, I remember, I have so many memories of us just, like, running around, beating each other with, like, fake toy lightsabers. Like, we had all the toys. Like, Did you ever have toy lightsabers? Yeah, I had nice. toy lightsabers. Nice. I had, um, specifically, I had a lot of toys from The Phantom Menace, specifically. Like, from a lot of Star Wars stuff. Like, I had... Um, the pistol, like the laser pistol that Queen Amidala uses in like the the last like part of the movie, uh, I have that exact. I had the exact that exact pistol that was a water gun. Do you still have it? No, no. I wish. Like honestly, I kind of wish I had some of these old toys. <laughs> I had so many Star Wars Phantom Menace toys. Um, do you remember Micro Machines? If if oh, you remember man. Micro Machines, that it's a very nineties toy. But I don't. But I had so many Star Wars Phantom Menace Micro Machine toys. I had the Gungan, like, you know, the big scene at the end of the movie where the Gungans fight the droids? I had so many of those toys, like, of actual, like, Gungan fighters. I had Gungan balls or, like, the the boomers is what they called them. The orbs that they throw? Yeah. I had, like, little toys with, like, uh, the thing that Jar Jar is on the back of, and he, like, opens it up, and the giant boomers come rolling out. I had that exact toy and stuff. So, like, watching The Phantom Menace just brings back memories (laughs) of all of these, like, Phantom Menace toys that I had as a kid. Yeah, I Um, have have none of that nostalgia. Yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie. Um, So I'm definitely coming from a place of a old classic Star Wars fan like this I I definitely grew up on the prequels like I didn't um like I did watch the original trilogy as well like four five and six um I watched all those as well and I was a big fan of those too but it's really the prequel trilogy that was like the closest to my heart growing up like those were the new Star Wars movies is that what got you into into being a fan oh yeah. yeah oh for sure did you watch the prequels first or the originals um, I would say, you know what? That's a really good question. I, I do have a suspicion that I probably saw a new hope before, like just with my cousins on VHS or something like that, probably before. Like, was your dad a fan or was it just because you had older cousins? That were uh, my parents liked it too. Um, actually I was old. I'm older than all my cousins. So like the, well, I had one cousin that was like basically like a few months apart from me. Um, and like me and him were really close and, and I'll, his brothers and everything like all my brothers and that one specific family uh we would all be like big star wars fans together like we had star wars monopoly and all those different things (laughs) Mm -hmm. like um yeah so lots of nostalgia from my point of view but honestly i i was very surprised watching this movie at different moments wondering if my nostalgic bias would taint my view of this in a way that I wouldn't be able to look at it objectively, but I very much was watching this movie with the critique, critiquing eye, if you will. Um, yeah, if you hear a lot of squeaking noises in the background, I apologize. It's an extremely windy day that we're recording this, and the the rafters are rattling a little bit. But um, but yeah, what what is your general overarching thoughts? about The Phantom Menace. Okay, so I watched it once, like, years ago. And I I feel like I forgot 90% of the movie. Hmm. Like, for me, the way I remember the movie originally was um, 
Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. they meet some weird-looking alien dudes, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're meeting this little kid, and then there's a race, and then there's a big fight, and done. And then somewhere in the middle of that, Liam Neeson dies. Yeah. And I was like, you can't, in my in my little head, I'm like, you can't just kill Liam Neeson. He's a, he's a big star. You can't do that. Yeah. So rewatching this one now, I was pleasantly surprised that that's almost near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I will the say, final act. I, if if I had given, the, I will give my what I thought the movie was at now, and I'll save the rating for the end because I would have given that movie a solid three. Really, the first time you seen it, mm-hmm. like in the way I remember it, I was like, this movie's going to be. How a old three. do you think you were when you saw it the first time? Twelve. Oh, okay, no. so you're a kid. Twelve, thirteen ish. Okay. Yeah, I was probably like seven. Because I think I, I saw it in theaters, so I would have seen it right when it came out. So I would have been like seven years old. Um, so do you want – like my general thoughts about the movie, like like I won't give it the rating until the end. Um, so yeah, like what you can expect from our review from John and I, um, coming at it from two different perspectives. John is a new Star Wars fan. I'm, I'm an old Star Wars fan. I'm going to have lots of questions. Yeah, John's probably going to have lots of questions. I have lots of answers, probably. <laughs> I'm a huge movie nerd. Uh, John and I both are. Like, we're both huge like cinema yeah. buffs. We've always connected movies. really well on movies and stuff like that. So uh, we just thought it would be fun to kind of go through the Star Wars franchise. Uh, you could definitely expect us to kind of walk through the rest of Star Wars cinema, probably in its entirety. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of hoping to do a, a whole rewatch series. Yeah, yeah. Of, so of the the movies and hopefully the, the shows too. I would. I love the story, and I would really love mm-hmm. to get like I I always love getting immersed in a good story. Yeah, so the, I would really love to go through this. If there's one thing, and it's a testament to just how much of a pop culture sensation Star Wars has been, but. Uh, one thing George Lucas did really well was he built an incredible universe. Like him and Dave Filoni, like really, like Dave Filoni mostly with the animated stuff, but um, they just built such a really cool Star Wars universe. There's just like so much there. It's really easy to like, you know, immerse yourself into that story. Hmm. Um, so let's walk through yeah. this movie. Uh, John and I both kind of took notes as Let- we watched. Yeah, let's start with maybe like just the the facts of like who's in the movie, when was it released, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so obviously we've already gone into spoilers. Like we shouldn't even ever give spoiler warnings because yeah, you these know are, what? You, these are old at this point. Like this ba- movie is is uh, twenty four years old, dude. And based on the name of our podcast, you yeah. should know <laughs> what we're talking about. I feel like we'll get it out the way now. Spoilers. Yeah, proceed at your own risk. All right, do you want to give the top build cast? Is that what you're doing? Uh, well, I just have written down here that it was released on May 19th yeah. of 1999. And yeah. I just know, Lee, listen, it, these are even my notes in all caps. Liam Neeson. Yes. That's, and what, Ewan McGregor. Like, those are two yeah. big names. Just uh, For me, it was Liam Neeson. If you're going to watch a movie and Liam Neeson's in it, it's going to be entertaining. This is not a typical Liam Neeson movie. <laughs> this is a movie pre yeah. the the Liam Neeson late like 2010 era of where he became an action star yeah when he became like every action movie he does is exactly the same movie but they're all great (laughs) um apparently i looked i looked it up earlier and some trivia liam neeson so badly wanted to be in this movie he signed on before he could he before he had even read the script i heard that for a few of them yeah actually that was their story yeah 
Like a few yeah. of them just I think maybe didn't even know. Samuel Jackson. Which again, Samuel Jackson, yeah. Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. Yoda. I almost forgot that he was even in this movie because he really doesn't do a lot in the Phantom yeah. Menace. He he's in a lot of episode two. I think they kind of just set him up for the next one. Yeah. Is yeah. What I think. Definitely. Definitely. Um but yeah, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, um, Natalie Portman, another huge yeah. uh, actor there. Kira Knightley, which you told me and I was surprised about. Yeah, so fun fact. A lot of people like forget about this or never even knew. Kira Knightley plays and I don't not I do not know how to pronounce this. It's either Sabe or like Sabe or something like that. But she plays the handmaiden, so like the main decoy for Queen Amidala. Yeah. The the girl you think is the queen, right? Yeah, yeah. So for like the first like part of the movie, uh she plays the queen. Uh, and she has like a, actually, I don't know if she, I think they might have recast her for the second movie. I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, she plays a decoy. Um, Jake Lloyd plays Anakin Skywalker, obviously. Um, who else is the big, I mean, R2-D2 and C-3PO are here. And it's uh, Anthony Daniels doing C-3PO like he always does, for the voice at least. Um, so yeah. Uh, has, An- has he always been C-3PO? He has for always online? been C-3PO. As far as I know, nobody else has ever done at least the voice of C-3PO other than him for like an official Star Wars content. Um, I could be wrong. There could be in somebody's probably that's a bigger nerd than me. It's probably yelling at the microphones or not microphones, <laughs> their speakers. <laughs> we have the microphones. Yelling at their podcast engines uh, that I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain he's done like Every single, if not if not almost everyone, he's done a lot of them. <laughs> um, okay, this movie. Guess how much you think this movie made in the box office? All right, ninety nine domestic. I'm gonna say two hundred and thirty five mil. That's it. That's all you think it made. Oh, okay. I'll, to bring into perspective, six hundred mil. I don't know. Their budget for this movie was 115 uh, million. Okay, I'm gonna say 500 mil then. Somewhere close. It was 431. Wow. Domestic, depending on wow. if you're uh, counting uh, re-releases. If you just consider the original release, um, so like when it actually came out the first time, uh, just 431 million, which is pretty good um, for the box office. Like it definitely wasn't like a fail it wasn't like in a massive incredible success like it's pretty dang good um domestic box office uh worldwide though almost a billion almost a wow. billion so which is which is very good uh so 924 million smackers million dollars, million dollars. um so yeah I, w- I always like to look at the box office stats um do you want to hear what rotten tomatoes gives it okay let me guess all right. 44%. Do, for critic score? Yeah. Okay, what about, what do you think for audience score? See, this is hard because ever since prequel memes, prequel memes became a really popular thing on Reddit, I know. Like, right, because this score can change ongoing, can yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. Um, I'm going to say like 60. Ooh, you were real close for, for the audience score. So critic score, 51%. Okay. And audience score, 59%. Mm, so you were 1% off. Wow. You were real close. Okay. Because I bet you, like, if you were to have looked at the score, like, 10 years ago, I bet you would have been a lot mm-hmm. lower. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure that's bumped up in the past decade. Uh, there's become and there's now like the younger Star Wars kids coming up. Yeah, yeah, like it, it's really just the original trilogy people that grew up watching the original trilogy just seem to really hate on the Phantom Menace. And I mean, of course, there's like a smattering of a bunch of other people. This does have so far from what I've seen of the series, this does so far have one of my favorite villains besides oh, Darth Vader. Darth Maul. Darth Maul is one of my favorites. Absolutely. I, Number I'm gonna, one villain. I'm going to go ahead in my notes and just say this now. Mm. I wish, I wish there would have been more Darth Maul. Like the... I wish they would have put him in more yeah. scenes. Yeah. And I wish he wouldn't have, like, just died at the end mm-hmm. of this one. Yeah. Or somehow, like, just, like, because even the way he died, just falling down that thing, uh-huh. I wish he would have just been able to come back later in, like, even one of the new movies. Well, maybe not one of the new movies, but even, like, just come back somehow. I just, I loved Arthur. Came Maul. back in Solo for a very small one individual scene at the very end of the movie. You remember that? He, he's a hologram. No. He does like a call, dude. I bar- I think I barely remember Solo. Okay. He he does a very small live action, and you know he's a massive part of the animated shows, right? You told me that before. Yeah. But I just like I wish there was more Darth yeah, Maul. Yeah, there is. You you'll see it when nice. we get there. <laughs> dude, I'm actually very excited to get into these shows. Honestly, I'm very excited about this. If you've watched The Clone Wars, like I know there's a bunch of different series, but if you even just The Clone Wars, like I love um, Rebels as well. Even Resistance was okay. It wasn't that great. Some of it was terrible. Some of it was pretty good. But um, Clone Wars does such an incredible job at extending Darth Maul's story. Hmm. Um, There's really so much there. And Rebels does too. There's a lot of Rebels that has Obi-Wan stuff in it. Um, Or, sorry. Darth Maul stuff in it. Uh, but, yeah. Um, spoiler alerts if you haven't seen any of that. So, in canon, though, with all the shows and everything, mm-hmm. this is the actual start. Like, this is the beginning of the Correct. Star Wars. Other than Go comics, uh, which I don't even know if there is anything before this that's but, canon for comics. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, do, are there is there anything canon about comics? There's a lot of canon comics. Because there's books that have been written in, like... Mm-hmm based off of this yeah there's like a ton of star wars content that was made like that is be is considered legacy content now so it's not like officially part of the canon um but there's also a ton of comic books and i think a few novels that is canon i haven't read almost any of it is it fair to just call them fan fiction at this point basically yeah. I, I mean yeah the legacy stuff is a basically fan fiction at this point um, maybe less cringy but there there's a lot of darth maul stuff from the comics i just haven't read uh i think i've read literally one comic ever and i don't even know if i finished it um but let's get into this movie let's do it um the opening scene where they go uh on the uh droid ship and they're like waiting for like the meeting and stuff because they were ambassadors uh, for Naboo. Um, that opening scene was amazing. I actually really okay, now like I'm, that. Now scene. I'm confused again. Do you mean like Qui Gon and Anakin? Not Anakin? I keep wanting to say Anakin when I mean Obi Wan. So you're just going <laughs> to correct me every time. But Obi Wan yeah, and, and Obi Wan are ambassadors for Naboo. Yeah. And then the gas comes, and they have to like like put on their mm-hmm. breathers or whatever. Um, it, it's just, in my mind, that scene just, like, 
holds so much weight from nostalgia, I think, honestly, mostly. But, you know, how he's put in the lightsaber in the door and everything, and he's, like, having to, like, kind of, like, twist and hold the lightsaber there to try to get through all the layers so they can get through and everything. It's just really cool. Um, There's one specific moment that happens in this scene, though, that I don't have a single memory of them ever using this Force ability again. And it makes no sense. Even in later on in the movie, this ability that they've already done would have been so incredibly useful. <laughs> and we'll probably get to if that we're later. we're thinking of the same thing. The Force Dash. Okay. I actually have that as a question because I'm like, because I don't remember ever seeing that again in any mm-hmm. movie so far. I was like, yeah. when they're fighting the Destroyer droids, yeah. they just like zoom yeah, away. Like they just away, flash force away. Dash. And I was like, I don't remember anyone ever doing that again. It's a move in a lot of the video games. So in a lot of like hmm. Star Wars video games, you can do that. Um, but the movies, they just, it's like a move they forget about. I honestly can't think of, maybe they have done this in one of the newer movies or something. I just can't remember it. Um, but they go so fast. Like they like, like zip (laughs) across the screen, like really quickly. Like Barry Allen speeds. And I almost just might as well bring this up now, even though it's like later on in the movie, the end of the movie where Qui-Gon is fighting Darth Maul, and Obi-Wan is trying to catch up to be in the fight. If you just would have friggin' force-dashed through all of those gates, and then he could have been there in a second. wouldn't have had to die. Exactly. Qui-Gon wouldn't have had to die if he just would have used an ability again. that he already had earlier in the movie. Josh, <laughs> I hate this movie all over again. <laughs> like That was the one thing that I'm just like, what the heck? Just force dash. You have the ability because you can see him running. Like he's like running. Like ah, oh, I'm trying to get there so fast, and he has to stop right before that last gate. If you just would have force dash, you would have had all the time in the world to get through that. I don't know if he no. was just too exhausted or what, but like that part did bother me a little bit. <laughs> it's just like why didn't they continue using that ability that they made? Because um, it's so cool. Like it was such a cool ability. Well, now I'm mad that Qui Gon. Had to die for nothing now. Yeah. Well, he's a force ghost now. <laughs> force ghost. <laughs> um, any other thoughts about that first part? No, I didn't have a, I didn't have anything written down. Oh, the only thing I had again in all mm-hmm. caps was Liam Neeson. I don't know if you can tell. I'm a, I'm a fan you've, of Liam Neeson in this movie. <laughs> like, um, all right. So they go, uh, they leave the planet, they're on the ground, they hitch a ride and stuff. Um, the, I, I love, there's a few quotes that I wrote down that I was like, oh, this is just such a good quote. So when he meets Jar Jar Binks, one of the most hated Star Wars characters of all time. We have differing thoughts. We probably need to talk about Jar Jar. Yeah, <laughs> we have different thoughts. He's an idiot. I'm sorry, I said. Oh, he is an idiot. He, he's an absolute imbecile, but I love him. I am going to say it on record, and I don't care if this loses us fans. I, I, I care. I, I care a lot. I love Jar Jar Binks. I am going to stick by it. <laughs> wow. I just, maybe it would, again, maybe this is a nostalgia thing. Maybe it would have hit different mm-hmm. for me if I grew up on these movies. Yeah. But at this point, I'm like, what are you actually offering to help? You're just slowing things down. Comedic relief. Like yeah, well. I mean, there's some funny, silly moments. I mean, especially if you're a kid. Like I, think, I was. I think you could argue that Anakin in this movie should be the comic comic relief, but that's just my thoughts. Anakin? Yeah. Comedic relief? He's an annoying kid in this movie. 
annoying. He's not funny. <laughs> I think we just have different thoughts. Um, I like Jar Jar. Well, actually, I will take that back because Anakin gets more annoying in the second one than mm. he does in this one. Looking uh, at you, Sans Beach. <laughs> Qui-Gon says to Jar Jar when they first meet, he's like, the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Do you have that written down too? Written down. (laughs) Because one, it's just a really good quote in real life that I want to tell some people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I I will say that the CGI for Jar Jar and a few other characters and stuff throughout the movie doesn't exactly hold up to like current day standards, you know? I had a question about that. Yeah. So the CGI in this movie, I was Mm -hmm. like, for ninety nine, this looks like good CGI. For ninety nine breaking. Um, I know they remastered it a lot. Is this like redone or is it original 99 quality? No, we both watched the Disney Plus version. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely remastered. Okay, so it wouldn't have been this good in the original. No, like not that much worse, mind you. It's not like they fully redid the CGI. Some parts they did. Some, Some parts they made CGI that was originally a puppet. Well, I even um, to get off topic though, like I looked it up a bit for another movie, uh, Titanic, uh-huh. which was released I think a little earlier in the '90s, and that was another like groundbreaking movie mm-hmm. for CGI and practical yeah. effects. Like the everything they did with the animation of like the alien characters, like Jar Jar specifically, they literally had to invent technology. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were literally like the pioneers of some of the CGI stuff. Geez, Star Wars is out here changing the world. Yeah, like they they were like I I just watched like the behind the scenes thing for this today, and like there George uh, was talking about how it's like, uh, yeah, we don't even have like the technology that we need to do what we're trying to do. We're literally like trying to catch up to based on like what we have. Like we're trying to pull off this one thing, and it's like we don't quite have it, so we're literally just gonna work on making it so we can do what we want to do. I like that though, because that just like to me that just ma- just establishes establishes George mm-hmm. Lucas as kind of a visionary to me. Yeah, and it's like, the he's same... just like I have a thing I want to do, and mm-hmm. if the technology isn't available, we're just gonna make it. Like that respect, like I just yeah. that just bumps him up in the respect category for me. Reminds me of like Avatar. Like Avatar was especially groundbreaking, and um, oh my gosh, the director's name just totally flew out of my head. Was it who did who did Avatar? Was it James Cameron? That's no. It. It's James Cameron, isn't it? Maybe. Everyone's yelling at their podcast machines again. It's James Cameron. Yep, James Cameron. Okay. Um, Canadian filmmaker James Cameron. Um, Go Canada. <laughs> he was also visionary. Like he also they invented so much technology. He also to did make Titanic. both of the Avatar movies, and he did Titanic. Yeah. So, James Cameron only does like. Huge groundbreaking movies, basically. (laughs) I love that, though. Like, there's certain directors that you're just going to expect certain things from. Like, Mm -hmm. with this, I would expect, like, a George Lucas film to be, like, a certain, like... Caliber. Certain caliber of film. Like, Christopher Nolan is going to bring you this, like, Mm -hmm. mind-bending thriller of a movie. Yeah. Like, certain directors, you just, like, you're expecting coming out. Like, you go see a Baz Luhrmann film, and you're just expecting to be, like, like... I can't think of what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't even know Boz Lerman. Like visually very, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ah, I mm-hmm. don't know. But like you just expect it to be a yeah, certain. Yeah. Like way. if you're gonna watch a J.J. Abrams movie, you know there's gonna be a lot of lens flare. Yeah. Michael Bay, you're gonna <laughs> see lots of explosions <laughs> and yes, camera exactly. angles that are kind of outdated. 
Um, what were we talking about? Jar Jar. Jar Jar. So, so you don't like him. Not a fan. I'm, I'm, I actually have written down here in my notes, um, Gungans are idiots. Whose idea was this? <laughs> I'm not a fan of making Gungans, but I could be persuaded. I like the Gungans. I think uh, Big Boss Nass was awesome. I think they just, like, they went to too high of a degree on making them the way they are. Like, they should have toned them down a bit. They're just, like, a bunch of, like, kind of, like, slightly less intelligent alien race. Like, it's just kind of fun. And mind you, it's interesting, though, because they have some pretty advanced tech, like, for such stupid people. Like, the ability to make an underwater city. That's That's what I can't get past. That's pretty next level. (laughs) How are you doing all this stuff? Yeah. You can't even... Speak right. Like, they're not, like, complete Neanderthals or anything. Like, they have intelligence. It's just they're kind of clumsy and dorky and stuff. And the language definitely doesn't help. Like, the... That's that's what bugs me. Jar Jar Binks, like, And then there's there's dumb Gungans, and then Mm -hmm. there's Jar Jar, who's, like, if Gungans are at a level eight intelligence, he's, like, at a level two and a half. Okay. He needs more credit than that. He joins the friggin' Senate. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> we'll talk about that in episode two. <laughs> well, I don't want to get political. No, I'm um, just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> uh, okay. You know something interesting that I noticed for the first time watching it, uh, like this time around. The droids. The uh, it's the Trade Federation comes and invades the planet, right? They bring all their droids. They start You mean the little destroyers or you mean the Roger Rogers? Uh yeah, the Roger Rogers. The I think those ones are literally just called droids. Oh, I actually called them just called Rogers. No. <laughs> wow, how can I not remember the actual name for those droids? Are they just droids? I think they're literally just battle droids. I think that's what they're called. But um, somebody else is yelling. Yeah, I know. There's other. We're sorry. Uh, I apologize for not knowing the name of those guys. I'm pretty sure it's just battle droids, but I could be wrong. Um, so anyway, Trade Federation brings all the droids and everything. They invade the planet. Where the friggin' heck is Naboo's army? Why don't they have military? <laughs> like, I know they had a like special forces, if you will, like almost like the Queen's Guards. Like they had like the palace guards and all that stuff. But shouldn't they as a whole like country, let alone planet, have their own like army that can like defend against an invasion? Yeah, you're right. Because even in the end of the movie, they need the Gungans they need and their the Gungans. army. Yeah. But e- like even the, what are they, Nabooans? Naboo. It's the planet yeah, of the Naboo. Naboo. Yeah. Um. They don't, besides having, like, the Queen's Guards, they don't really have an army, from no. what I remember. No, I couldn't see anything. And it just, I, it, I just found that interesting. It's just, like, why wouldn't they have an army? Like, I realize that they're part of the, um, what's it called? Like, the Senate, like, the government and stuff. Like, they're part of, like, the Federation of the Planets or whatever it's called. The Republic, that's it. Um, wow, I can't believe I'm blanking on some of these names that I should know way better as such a Star Wars fan. I'm sorry, nerds. I'm sorry. Put a microphone <laughs> in front of you and then you get nervous. That's what it is, I think. The Republic. They're part of the Republic. And I get that uh, Palpatine and stuff like is kind of like messing, which we don't really know what he's doing exactly to get them to kind of like hold off from these negotiations and to make uh, like... 
wow, I'm stumbling across my words. The Trade Federation is basically trying to convince the Republic that they're not invading illegally, that uh, Queen Amidala is going to sign a treaty with them. And that's basically what's going on. And so the Senate is basically all held up and all these votes and stuff. Uh, and that's why they're not sending out an army to, like, help the planet. So I get that there's, like, an armed forces of some type that's supposed to exist behind the Republic itself. But you'd think they'd have their own natural defenses. <laughs> I just thought that was a bit strange, other than just, like, palace guards. Um, another comment about, uh, like, shortly after this, when they leave the planet... So when, like, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and the Queen Amidala and all those people, um, they all leave on the Naboo Space Cruiser? The Naboo Cruiser. I think that's the name of the ship. The big, shiny ship. Was I thought that was Qui-Gon's ship. Was that, no. Was that that's a Naboo, a Naboo cruiser. That's a, okay. that's a very specific ship. I'm pretty sure it's one of a kind. Yeah. Like, there's only one of those. I was going to say it looks like the Porsche. Of ships, yeah, it it's just super it looks shiny. real luxurious, like it looks, but also like it looks real smushed. Like I don't, unless it's just a giant ship, and I just thought it was smaller. It's huge. It it's just doesn't really look big. like you have a lot of room. In. Okay, so maybe it is a lot bigger than I was. I was thinking. I mean, it's pretty big. Like, is it Falcon level big? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Because the way it looked to me, like it looked like it was like just a two-person. No, I again, I could be wrong about this, but I'm fairly certain this ship is even bigger than the Millennium Falcon. But I could be wrong. I'm fairly certain. Okay, so I was wrong in my dimensions. Um, but. but this, uh, the ship when they're leaving and they have to go through the blockade that's like in space. Like I realized they're getting shot up by lasers and stuff, but they got through that blockade really easily. Like, I feel like there wasn't really a lot of resistance for them to get through that. They got through it really easily. And I was like, uh, like, I realized if R2 didn't fix their engines, it would have been a different story. But you think with how many ships were out there, like enemy ships from the Trade Federation, they could have just blew them out of the sky, like, if no. they wanted to and stuff. And I realized they probably didn't want to kill the queen. Um, they were trying to capture her, so she'd sign the the mm -hmm. thing but i don't know i just thought they got through way too easily <laughs> that is the one thing i've noticed in these movies though is like there's a lot of like you know the joke about how the stormtroopers just are always missing yeah like there's a lot of that like oh they just well, that was convenient they, kind they of have thing. to win yeah like, that's a classic a movie problem written in the plot yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, there's this is not a Star Wars specific problem. It's no, all movies of course. have those I just, moments. There's always the meme about that. So. Oh yeah. I just thought it was a little too good to be true, but um the uh, fun fact about that ship, the Nabu Cruiser, in the sequel trilogy, Captain Phasma. Do you know who I'm talking about? Captain Phasma. Um, oh the new she, new ones. Of the new new yeah. ones. Captain Phasma, she has the really shiny armor. Mm -hmm. That armor is made from that ship. Oh really? Mm -hmm. They uh, it's made from the scrap metal of that ship because that ship's uh, armor is naturally laser deflective. Hmm. So it. Uh, I honestly, I just thought that she did that because she just wanted to be special. No, they they repurposed the like. I, I don't know the whole story. It's in a comic book. I'm pretty sure that has the full story. I didn't read it, but I do know that that's where Phasma gets her armor. So fun fact. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
Save it for that episode. <laughs> the ship is called the Nubian, by the way. That's in my notes. The Nubian? Mm-hmm. The one that they were on? Yep. Really? I thought it was just called the Naboo Cruiser. And I think they made made mention of it, and I Googled it and just said it was called Nubian, the Nubian. I think, is the race of the, like, the where it's, like, I'm pretty sure Nubian's more like a class rather than the specific name of the ship. I could be wrong about that, too, but um, pretty sure it's just called the Naboo Cruiser. Um, but when they get to Tatooine, I I love how they made, because we didn't know this until this movie, but Anakin. No. It's the J-Type 327 Nubian Royal Starship. Really? Okay, I stand corrected. Um, That's what Google says anyway. All right, I trust Google sometimes. Um, I love how C-3PO was Anakin's project. Yeah, Isn't I that thought cool? that was cool. I, was, I thought it was really cool. It's like I Darth just didn't Vader care himself. for all of his nudity, though. That was a little grotesque. <laughs> my parts are showing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love that. It's like, what do you mean I'm naked? My parts are showing. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's my Which terrible C three PO. He, he always seems like he's like very like proper and mm-hmm. he has to mm-hmm. everything has to be conducted a certain way. Yeah, yeah. I I love C three PO. It's it's amazing because C three PO and R two D two are in every single movie. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Uh, I th- at least R two R two D two is. I is think. he in Rogue One as well? I uh, was he mm, in? Maybe also, not. No, he was in the first of the of the. Maybe he's not in Rogue the sequels. One. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I was I pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I remember them being in every single movie, but maybe not. Hmm. Um, Darth Maul, coolest villain. Yep. He makes his appearance. Um, interesting fact again. Darth Maul had two actors in this movie. He had the actor that portrayed Darth Maul which I'm trying to find his name because it's lost on me all of a sudden. Um, come on, Darth Maul. Uh, Ray Parker, that's it. So Ray Parker plays Darth Maul, like the actual actor plays him physically, but the voice of Darth Maul is actually someone different. Um, Do you know why? I don't know why, but it's Peter... Uh, I do not know how to say his last name. Uh, Sarah Finowiski. Fin- Finowiski. He's a decently, like, if you saw a picture of him, you think you'd recognize him. Like, he's been in, in a few things. Um, like, he, do, he does do a lot of voice acting. He, he does the voice? Yeah, he does the voice. So he's the voice of Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. So I just found it interesting that Ray Parker didn't do the voice. I actually didn't know that until today. <laughs> I always thought Ray Parker... Did the voice in the first movie, um, but he's a dub. They so dubbed I his think voice. It's, I think it's supposed to be pronounced Peter Serafinowicz. Okay, I can see that. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Uh, so he does the voice. So thought that was really interesting. The one thing I had in my notes here about, because um, now we've been introduced to her character already, mm-hmm. Natalie Portman just doesn't seem to be doing well in yeah. this movie. Like all of yeah. her lines... All of her limes, her all mm-hmm. of her lines, yeah, seem very like. I don't know what it even is, but the way she does it, it just seems like, 
what are you trying to say? Monotone. Yeah, very like monotone and like bored. Mm-hmm. She just sounds bored. I I I wrote this in my notes about her because I was like, I can't tell. In some scenes, it's better than others. Like when she loses the makeup, mm-hmm. she's a lot better. And I can't tell if she's just trying to portray someone that's very stoic, or yeah. if she's actually she's a bad actress. A yeah. <laughs> like. At the time. I mean, this is one of her first roles, right? There also is rumors that she's one of those people that, like, if she doesn't like a movie, she'll just phone it in. What do you mean? Like, just show up and not do her best. That could just be a rumor. Phone it in? Yeah, like, you've never heard that phrase? No. Yeah, just, like, just just call it. Like, just do, just do it mediocrity. Like, do oh, it mediocrity. Like, act poorly on purpose? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I've never heard that. There was rumors that. that I heard that like she didn't think this movie was going to be good, so she just didn't she bother. seemed pretty excited in the behind the scenes stuff I watched. Like she, she like she's like a yeah. like a 15, 16 year old girl. Like again, that's just a rumor, and she was yeah. sixteen at the time. So I would yeah, maybe that's like rumors about her later in her career, maybe. Yeah. But uh, I don't think she's a big enough actress at the time to be able to do something like that. Um, but she, yeah, she definitely wasn't amazing throughout most of the movie mm-hmm. like the second movie i feel like she does a pretty good job from memory the second movie she's not the one i have a problem with that's all i will say tune in <laughs> next time um but yeah natalie portman definitely yeah. the the acting choices like the casting wasn't amazing for phantom Menace. i will say that no who like, didn't you like well natalie portman I, if you say you didn't like Liam Neeson, I'm walking okay, out. Okay, no. They could not have done better with half of the cast, and then the other half is kind of like, eh, I think yeah. you could have made a better choice. Like, um, I feel so bad for Jake Lloyd, the guy who plays Anakin. Like, it's so sad, like, Why? what happens to him. Like, have you heard all the stories and stuff that, like, he was basically just, like, made fun of so badly. Like, everybody hated him. Like when the movie came out, everyone hated Jar Jar Binks and everyone hated Anakin. Everyone just kept saying how bad of an actor. He quit acting directly after this movie and was traumatized from how many people would literally like yell at him and threaten him as a young little boy and stuff after wow. this movie. I've like, heard I've heard that there was like ruthless, Star Wars disgusting fans Star Wars fans. Yes, they yeah. were. They were vicious and ruthless and like terrible human beings. And treated them like a piece of crap and stuff. Like people would like, like I haven't, I don't have a specific story in mind, but um, all I know is that he was very poorly treated as a child mm. and stuff, and kind of got traumatized as wow. a kid from this movie. That's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. It's so sad. I, I always kind of hate when people really dog on child actors because like yeah. this is a literal kid. Mm-hmm. Who is still learning? Like they're not even fully matured yet. Yeah, like this and is like there's some young child actors that do phenomenal, uh-huh. and there's some that just don't. And I just like I don't yeah. think it's fair to like. I'm pretty sure he just did commercials. Like, I just don't think it's fair to critique. A... Yeah, he was in he was in a good amount of movies. Was he? I Jake think Lloyd? so. I thought he just did Phantom Menace in like some commercials. Maybe he did do something else. Unless um, I'm unless I'm thinking of somebody else. There, I got him right here. Looking him up. Great podcasting material. Um, oh, he does jingle all the way. I forgot about that, and that's before Phantom Menace. That was pretty big. 
Okay, so he did some big movies. Okay, I thought he was also one of the guys from Stand By Me, but maybe that was somebody else. No, he does not. He has a lot of like modern day voice acting credits. Um, he, yeah, Jingle All the Way, a couple like TV appearances, and then Star Wars, and then a bunch of like Star Wars like video game credits and things like that, and that's basically it. Wow. Um, but that's unfortunate that like yeah, a child actor is that viciously attacked. It is really sad. And imagine how bad it would have been in this day and age for him. Oh, it would have been so much worse. Like that would have been horrifying. Yeah, like oh, man, it just it just breaks my heart, dude. Like I just I see that kid, and I'm just like when I like look at him as a kid, he's just like a little seven eight year old boy, however old he was, and it's just like I want to give him a hug, like the poor little guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, something funny about him. So, um, I had this written in my notes because I was so weirded out at first because. I and I think this is the reason because in the first one, I just thought Natalie Portman as Padme, like Padme and Anakin, mm-hmm. had such a huge age difference, and I knew yeah. where their story was going mm-hmm. that I was like, "This is gross." I feel like they have like a ten-year age gap, yeah. and it's just gross. And I mm-hmm. just was like, "This is kind of icky," and I don't like it. Yeah, I'm never honestly, I'm never a big fan of those big age gaps. Me neither. Um, I looked it up, and it's only five years, and I think it's just weird for me because in the first one. There's not a romantic interest in each other? No. Um, so I was like, but also, like, there is, at that point, he was eight, and she would have been, like... 15, 16. Yeah, so he was 10 or so, because it was a five-year age difference from what oh, I Oh, maybe he was 10 then. Yeah. So I looked it up. Um, maybe Goop was lying to me. So I was like, I was talking with Andrew, my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and... Um, I was like, I can't believe this age difference. It's just, it's gross. And we've talked about, me and her have talked about this in movies before. I'm like, it's just weird to me. And then she's like, and she's like, well, look it up. What's the actual age difference? I'm like, oh, it's five years. And she's like, oh, and uh, how far apart in age are we? Because she's, she's a little older than me. And I'm like, five years. Like, oh, so how do you feel about that now? I'm like, well, that's fine. I'm over it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just when they're so, kids, right? Like I'm when you're when you're kids, that, an age gap seems so that's much. That's why it was like even if like like I would say if you're 18 dating a 23 year old, no. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I'm once you get past your 20s, I can date a 34 year old. Yeah, once you get past your 20s, everything's a little less weird. Yeah, and stuff. But yeah, the I just had to mention that because I thought it was really funny. Because in my notes, I'm like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the pod racing scene? I thought it looked really cool. I thought it was awesome. I I've always it loved it, and I loved it again yeah. this time. Now, this is pod racing. <laughs> Did you... You Actually, I don't know if you would know this. The Disney Plus version has an extended pod racing scene. Like in the version that I would have watched? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It's longer than the original cut of the film. When the movie came out, that pod racing scene was probably... I think it was like four or five minutes shorter. Like a pretty decent. Oh, I like the length that it was. It was good. Yeah, they cut out a lot of it. So like, this is actually an extended cut. There's a lot of little scenes and even full on characters that weren't in the original cut of the movie. That they like, they filmed it all and everything, but it's just they cut it for time, right? Yeah, that's another Um, thing. I really like the character. I forget his name right now. Dang it! But the rival. Yeah, Sabolba. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, oh man, what was his name again? uh, Watto. The Watto. Yes, the the flying blue guy, the shop owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah Watto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. Like yeah. I, I, I also I love just the whole read, I also read scene. earlier. Just here, I was looking up trivia. 
and uh, a lot of people were were annoyed that his wings that helped him fly were so small that they're like, there's no way that would help him fly. Yeah. And George Lucas was like, no, because something in his stomach helps uh, produce helium that keeps him afloat. Oh, that's hilarious. So he's like, helium no, listen, don't. Enough. But it just feels like George was like, don't crap on yeah. my ideas. Yeah. This is here. Let me just give something to explain this. Yeah. He's such like a fat looking alien guy that yeah. it is funny. I love his stubble. Yes. I love that. Yes. He's also remastered in this cut, too. He didn't always look quite that good. Um, like, he looked pretty decent. It's just, you know, they polished everything up for the remastered version. But Do they do um, that for the originals on Disney Plus, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, there's some characters in the originals that are puppets um, that they fully CG in the Disney Plus versions. Yeah, I've also heard that, and this is, we'll get into this in, a, in the later ones, too, but in, uh, uh, which one is it? Episode Episode 6, it would have been. The end scene, they replaced the original person who played Anakin, Darth Vader. Oh, yes. And they put... Um, Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Which, For the Force Ghosts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, he would have aged by then. I mm-hmm. would have been okay with yeah. either one, but... Yeah. But I love the pod racing scene. I thought it was really yeah. awesome. You know what's really, really fun? Cool. Uh, did you ever watch uh, Whose Line it is, it? is It Anyway? Oh, I used to love that show. Do you remember Greg Props from that show? He's like one of the mainstays from the show. Greg Props. Uh, he is the voice of the announcer for the pod racing. He does the English voice. Greg Props? Yep. It's P-R-O-O-P-S, so it's Proops. Um, but I'm pretty sure you pronounce it Props. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally immature. I just like Greg Proops. <laughs> but when I was looking through the cast, I was like, what? Greg Props does yeah, the voice? Yeah, that makes sense. I can totally hear it You can it totally now. see I it, I looked yeah. it up just now. I can totally hear it. Once you look at his it. face, you can, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, he, he's great. Uh, I just thought that was fun. Sorry, I keep putting my phone back down and it just like, boom, boom. That's fine. Did you notice the little Easter egg with the Leia bikini? No, I did not. So Jabba is in this. He's watching yeah, he the has like pod a racing cameo. stuff. Off to the side, there's one of his current slave girls wearing the infamous... Layout. The gold bikini? Yeah, the metal uh, bikini. So I just thought that was fun. Here's another awesome quote. So I can't remember exactly at which moment. Uh, it's it's something to do with um, uh, Qui-Gon talking to Anakin about pod racing, I'm pretty sure. But this is such a good quote from Qui-Gon again. And of course, it's Qui-Gon that makes the quote. Qui-Gon has the best quotes. He, he really does. He has some of the best quotes. Um, he makes f- this movie. Your focus determines your reality. Hmm. Stay close to me and you'll be safe. Who could that relate to? I know. Um, obviously. Makes me think of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you didn't know. That's a good segue into a big question that right, I have. Go ahead, John. Go okay. Ahead. So, when Qui-Gon is talking to Anakin's mom, I don't know how you say her name, Shmi or Shmi? Shmi, I'm pretty sure. Shmi. It just reminds me of Shmi from Peter Pan. Now. I know, I know. Uh, when he's talking to her, and he's like, who is his father? And she's like, I have the quote here, it says, there was no father. I carried him, I birthed him, I mm-hmm. raised him, and yep. I can't explain how it happened. Mm-hmm. Again, that just made me think of, well, who does that sound yes. like? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like Jesus, born mm-hmm. of God, the chosen one. Mary. Yeah, which now because I know Anakin's path, I'm mm-hmm. like, is George Lucas religious, or is he just like, or is this whole thing like a subtle like 
I think it's just a bash like, of religion. Or oh, is he no, just no, taking no. certain liberties with... Like, I don't think he meant them as like, oh, this is a caricature of Jesus to the dark side. I don't think that. No, but not But I was at just all. like, there definitely seems to be... I guess what I'm saying is there definitely seems to be a religi- reli- religious element to these movies. Like, the force being kind of a religion of course. Of yeah, of course. And, like, the animated series really dives yeah. in. To like the religious aspect. I also never of caught that. the thing about midichlorians, and that's how the force works. A lot of people hate the midichlorians. And Does that never show up again in the other? Nope, ones? never shows up again hmm. in any of the other movies. It shows up a little bit in that the animated show. That sounds a little bit like Scientology to me. Yeah, um, with the microscopic aliens that make <laughs> us up. Uh, but yeah, it is a cool little. I I don't I don't see it as like a bash against like Christianity or anything like that. I think it's just. Uh, a nice little storytelling homage. Like, yeah. it's the greatest story ever told, right? Like, the story of Jesus and everything. And it's it's a very cool story to have, like, somebody that is, you know, conceived out of thin air, basically. Um, so we still don't know, like, also, how that happened in, yeah. the, in the, in like, the nature of the Star Wars universe. I also like looking forward now to um, Darth Vader and Luke in that last little bit of the movie, um, how this relates to... How he's like, Luke, I'm your dad, and how he ends up saving him mm-hmm. in the last one. Because he's like, oh, he never had a dad. Yeah. So maybe this is all new. Like, this is how a father feels towards a son kind of deal. Yeah. I just, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is It is really interesting how, like, we can pick out different things kind of like that, you know, makes us think of our faith mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, like, going back to that quote I just shared, um, like, your focus determines your reality and stuff. Like, stay close to me and you'll be safe. That's such a cool line and stuff, mm-hmm. especially it makes me think of God and everything, of course. Like, um, like I fully believe that. Like, what you focus on is going to be your reality. If you're focusing on all the negative things all the time, you're going to feel like life's mm-hmm. super negative. But if you're focusing on the positive, you're going to feel like life's more positive. Like, it's just, it's a really biblical principle and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just, I think that's pretty cool. Like, I know he probably didn't intend that in the writing, but... Um, we can yeah. we can totally just pull that from that and appreciate it. Well, I've told you how many times I'm watching a movie and all of a sudden something will just hit me and I'm like, oh, this is this feels like a message from God in a mm-hmm. way where I'm like, certain movies and certain scenes are will just like, I'll just be like, oh, I could I could very easily connect this to my faith. Yeah, like kind of like a parable. Yeah, and there's a lot of like force abilities that we could also say are like almost like prophetic abilities yeah. in a way from God and stuff like that. So it's interesting. But yeah. like, for example, you don't want to sell me death sticks. <laughs> no, wrong movie. Um, that's the next one. <laughs> so one of the things that was thought was interesting, and this this isn't necessarily confirmed or denied, but we get the sense that Qui-Gon and and Obi-Wan too, I suppose, never figured out that Queen Amidala wasn't Queen Amidala. Like, that she was the decoy the whole time. Like, it was uh, her her uh, hand servant. You would think that they would have been able to perceive through the Force that she wasn't the actual queen. Like, I don't know. I feel like, especially Qui-Gon being, yeah. like, the Jedi Master... Like I feel like he should have perceived because I when I was watching it back this time I was I was watching that scene very specifically looking at Qui Gon's face and you can see Obi Wan was surprised. Qui Gon does look a little surprised too. He he does he looks a little bit surprised but it's it's just subtle enough 
that it makes me wonder if he's just like, yeah, I knew the whole time. Or, or if it is just like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? That makes perfect sense or kind of a thing. I don't know. You, you can't really fully decipher that, I feel like. And uh, I, I do wonder if he should have not looked surprised at all in that yeah. moment because I feel like he should have been able to tell. But I knew it. Yeah, because yeah. it's funny, too, because there's, like, all those different moments when they're on Tatooine and he's making decisions and, and she's like, the queen wouldn't approve and stuff. He's like, well, the queen doesn't have to know and mm. stuff. She's like, well, I don't approve and stuff. Like, I, I do wonder if he didn't know that she was actually the queen or not. I just always assumed he didn't know. Yeah, I mean, that is the assumption. That is the default assumption. It's more of me trying to, like... I feel like he should, <laughs> but right now that you mentioned that, I maybe can, he I agree. Does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that they wrote into the script that he did know. I think he genuinely doesn't know. I just feel like he should have known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plot hole. Plot problems. The only other thing I don't like. I said you had way more notes than me. I think, but the only other thing I wrote was watching this movie again. I love that Star Wars doesn't necessarily like. They pack a lot of stuff into the movie, but they don't really rush the plot. Yeah. Like, they they kind of let stuff like like linger. Mm-hmm. And they'll go to like different stuff, but it all at the end, it all kind of fits in. Mm-hmm. But they don't rush through a thing. Yeah. I, I do remember, um, not this time around, uh, but I remember the last time I tried watching this movie, I actually fell asleep like in the first yeah. like part because it was just a little bit slow. Like, I feel like these movies are a bit long. I'll say it. Yeah. I mean, they're not nearly as slow as the original trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> the original That's trilogy the ones is I'm really talking slow. About. Those are the ones that are a little bit long. Yeah, those ones are long. But The Phantom Menace, it does, it is a little bit slow. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Um, honestly, I think part of it is just like our brains are getting really adapted yeah. to like modern filmmaking and stuff. And like, this is a movie that's technically late 90s. You know, and it's it's just, it has a different pacing. Um, let's talk about the best part of the movie. Duel of the Fates. Yes. Darth Maul versus Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Dude, these, these, these have some really, really good duel scenes mm-hmm. in, these, in these movies. You know, it's funny because I, for the first time ever, I had this thought when I was watching it. Um, I thought the beginning half of the Duel of the Fates fight, the choreography was lacking a little bit, I felt like. I remember I used to always look at that scene and think this is one of the best choreographed fights in Star Wars. I used to always think of it that way. And when I was rewatching it, I was like, I can tell. And maybe it's just because I've, like, especially in this past decade, I've really gotten into behind the scenes and I watch a lot of, like, stuff on movie choreography so maybe i'm just picking up on these things a lot easier but you can tell a lot of their hits they're just attacking each other's lightsabers and they're not actually like aiming to hit the actual person when they're striking yeah (laughs) another fun little trivia thing that i found earlier too was when i was reading was that um apparently ewan mcgregor Mm -hmm. would just be like when they were doing the fight scenes, he would just be making lightsaber sounds. I've heard that too. And uh, th- and they would be like, hey, we're going to edit that in and post. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm just getting a little carried away. Yeah. He had a great time making that movie. Yeah. 
Like I watched in the behind the you scenes stuff. I watched. He's really enjoying it. Like, oh yeah, he's he, one of my favorite parts of this movie too. Yeah, he's having the time of his life making this movie, man. Um, but like the the very end when Qui Gon dies, the choreography from that point forward when it was just Obi Wan and Darth Maul. Oh, that was great. That was a yeah. really good fight scene. Like that choreography was very well done. Mm-hmm. It's mostly just before that point when it was the three of them fighting. There's just so many hits and and like uh, like story beats there that was just like, oh my gosh, that could have been done way better. Um, but again, it's probably my critical mind and really understanding understanding fight choreography a lot better now than I used <laughs> to. Um, like, did you think about any of that? The last half of the fight did seem a lot better when yeah. it wasn't three. Yeah. And it was, it really was. Like, man, I just love Darth Maul so much. I kind of equated that to like, Obi-Wan would have been feeling a lot of like, a lot of emotions after Qui-Gon had died. And so it was kind of like his rage was like, he was channeling his rage kind of. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. John Williams just, he he did the soundtrack, like the the score, if you will, uh, for Duel of the Fates and the rest of the movie. Man, he just makes really good music. Yeah. Like the Duel yeah. of the Fates song is just so iconic. Really so iconic and I love it and it holds up really well in my opinion. Um it's just so good. Like the choir and everything. Like today, again, I'm referencing this behind the scenes things I watch, but I've I've always wondered in my head, how do they do that? Like when they're going to record these like movies where these big operatic choirs in the background and all these instruments and the symphony and everything. Like I always pictured them recording the choir stuff separately, but it's actually all in the same room. So every like the every soundtrack instrument is being made as they're filming. No, not as they're filming. They they do the soundtrack after, but they have all the instruments and the choir and everything all in the same room. And they actually have this like massive choir of people like doing the the big like operatic sounds for Duel of the Fates, and it's just really cool to like see them actually record that. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Last comment about this movie for me. I think <laughs> it's ridiculous. The funeral. The funeral scene that they have for Qui-Gon. That's the stupidest ritual I've ever seen. Where and they light him on they fire? They light him on fire and everyone just watches somebody that they they know and care about just burn right in front of them. I thought that was cool. That I, seemed like a Viking <sighs> funeral to me. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with Viking funerals, but that would be... Well, Viking funerals, they send you off in a ship and then they, they light the ship on okay. fire with arrows. That is cool because they're away. You're not literally watching the flesh melt off yeah. of its bones right in front of you. Like that's You don't have to smell the, and the smelling. Burning. That's what I kept thinking of. It's like the smell would be like revolting. Yeah, of like rotten like, eggs on steroids. Yeah, like hair and flesh just burning right there, and you have a young child just watching one of his that mentors would be burn. So traumatizing. It'd be so traumatizing. I never thought of that. Like yeah. it's so crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like that they burn them like that. I keep wanting to say burn alive, but he's not alive. <laughs> burn him but alive after burn death. Burn him dead. Like that's <laughs> so yeah. stupid. Um. Does Qui-Gon ever appear again, even mm-hmm. as a Force ghost? Yep. Yes. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, go back a little bit, because I'm going to hop back on my hatred of Jar Jar for a minute. He is the stupidest person in that last battle. <laughs> like, everything he does is an accident, and somehow it's always the right thing. Actually, I have one more thing to say about that. Mm-hmm. He, he's bad for that. 
I was really, really annoyed with Anakin in that in that flyer. Like oh. everything he did was yeah. just a so let's dumb try spinning. That's a cool trick. Accident. Yeah. And then he ends up being the one to destroy all the mm-hmm. like power down all the droids. Yeah. And it was all just oops. accidents. Yes. And he's like, and then he's like, no, this is pod racing. I mean, the underlining story note there is that he was like secretly being like influenced by the force to yeah. do all of that okay. is kind of what they're I trying can, I can to get do. That. Like, but I don't know. I also agree. It's, it is if kind of a little the, far-fetched. Like, okay. If that was the case of like always being influenced by the force, like it would have been way easier to be like something like do something like, oh, something tells me I should press this button. Yeah. Something tells me I should go here. Yeah. But just to make it seem like it was all a big dumb accident, mm-hmm. that that's yeah. worse than like, oh, we're going to destroy the Death Star and just really luckily there's one mm-hmm. fatal flaw. Yeah. Thank you, Rogue One, for fixing that. Yes. Very much. Thank you, Rogue One. Wow. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it is kind of ridiculous. It is just a bunch of accidents and stuff that he survives. I can, I can forgive Jar Jar for it because he's an actual dummy, (laughs) but Anakin, even though he's a child, should know better. I love the droid versus Gungan scene, dude. I think it's so much fun. Like just the throwing. I, I just love the, um, I don't know, like the, the world building that they do there and just like all the different like inventions for for like the weapons and all those different things. I just love like how cool like Man. all like the the four shields that they had and like those giant like oh, dinosaur guys that so generate much. the shields and everything. Like that's just so cool. Yeah, that made um, me think of Iron Man so much in Endgame with a shield generation. Yeah. When does he ever do that? When when. Um, when Hulk is doing about to do the snap and they're putting the building on lockdown, he generates a shield. He does? I don't he even does. remember that. No. That's all I thought of. But hmm. um, to put a little more respect on, what was his name? Jar Jar? Like the leader of the of the Gungans. Oh, uh, Boss Nass, I think Boss is Nass. his name. Um, yeah, I think that's his name. I was like, you know what? I can I can put some respect onto uh onto boss nas because even though he was an idiot he was like no listen if we're gonna fight in this battle and we're gonna be allies i'm willing to lay my life down it is boss nas yeah um yeah i always liked that character as a kid i thought he was funny I, okay and stuff you know what? But... i think during this recording i think i've officially breaking news i have changed my mind about gungans about gungans Ooh, but not, not jar jar not jar jar <laughs> jar jar sucks jar jar sucks eggs as you would say Oh yes, I but would say that Gungans. Gungans are all right, in my book. I Thank was a little, you. I was a little prejudiced at first. <laughs> I'm willing to write my wrongs. I'm willing to repent of my sins. Oh, thank you, thank on you. air. I, I have but I still hate Jar Jar. The Gungans. I, I do think it is a little bit strange, and maybe it's just like a respect thing because of position. But Boss Nass makes um, Jar Jar the general, right? He already had a general before that. So did he die? No, he's the guy who is walking around with Jar Jar for most of the battle, and it's like uh, when Jar Jar's on top of the tank and everything, and he's like, "Hey, use a boomer," and he's like, "Misa no have a boomer," and <laughs> Misa no have a boomer. Use a this one, <laughs> and he throws him the boomer and everything. Like that uh, general, like the old general guy or commanding. I don't even know what his actual title was, but that that character was really looking over Jar Jar the whole time. Like he was, That's he was constantly trying to save his butt, 
And it's like, he hated him before. He hated Jar Jar. I'm pretty sure he's the same one who greeted Jar Jar when he came in. He's like, oh, not this again, Jar Jar. He's like, you said big doo-doo this time. Big doo-doo this time. We're just taking you to the bosses. <laughs> I want to learn Gungan now. Uh, I, think I've, I think I've done a full 180 on the Gungans. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is cool, though. Yeah. You know something else that's just kind of funny? The underwater uh, city... They could just walk right through those bubbles to get inside. You'd think fish would just be falling through those bubbles all the time. Maybe that's how they get food. Yeah, I guess so. Just raining fish food. It's raining fish. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Any other thoughts? Um, Much better the second time. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think I just didn't remember the plot very well. Do you want to get into giving it a rating? Hey, this is future John and Josh here. Um, Are we recording right now? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, soon. Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right, let me get in the headspace. Ready? And action. Hey, this is uh, future John and Josh uh, just coming in to do a little insert here. Um, since recording this podcast, we have come up with kind of a little bit of a better format, we feel like. Um, just for writing these episodes. We kind of feel like uh, just giving one general rating just didn't really encapsulate what we felt about the films because sometimes you like some aspects and you don't like other aspects. And sometimes it's just nice to be able to voice the different parts and how you felt about them. So we have a little bit of a different ranking system uh, than we usually do, or rating system, rather. And I don't know, we just kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, like you said, there are always things like, especially in this movie. Let's see here. So there's one thing that I think I liked way more than I I rated one thing way higher than Same. everything else in this. And I feel like, okay, no, I think it might be different, but we're going to find out. Yeah, I'm interested. We doing visual effects first? Yeah. All right. So uh, for the new listener here, well, actually, this will be our first, as you're hearing it, this will be our first Star Wars movie podcast review um so here are the six categories just so you know we have visual effects we have story slash like the plot so like the actual plot and story of the film uh acting so the quality of the acting and then we have a category called sound design slash score so this is like everything from the atmospheric sounds to the actual music to the sound effects all that kind of stuff um, then we have character development. I know character development is always something mm-hmm. uh, John and I, well before we ever did a podcast, just tend well, to talk that's about. That's like, when it comes to movies, character development and plot are yeah. like my bread and butter. Like, that's yeah. that's something I really focus on when I, when I want to critique a movie. Yeah. Like, the one thing I remember, like, sticks out so much whenever I think about bad character development was the original Justice League movie. So not the Schneider cut, mm, but yeah. the original Justice League movie. It was bad. Because it had no character development. That's why it was bad. It was a pretty good movie, all other things considered. But the character no. development was so bad, you just didn't care especially, about the characters. I feel like, especially Cyborg, I wanted yeah. I wanted to like him a lot more than I did. I didn't Same. hate him, but I wanted yeah. more depth. Yeah, thankfully the Schneider Cut fixed all that. But mm-hmm. we're not reviewing that. And Not today. Uh, two more, or no, last category here. Uh, script writing so the actual dialogue that's another thing that we talk about all the time is like the story's great 
but some of these lines is just suck. There's just so much conversational dialogue lines that is just so either poorly written or poorly delivered or what and stuff. So we made that its own category for rating. Um, all right, so let's uh, kick things. Let's uh, kick things off. Let's a ki- let's a go. <laughs> let's a go. Uh, visual effects. Uh, did you want to start? Visual effects. I can, but I'm honestly, I'm a little insecure. I feel like your rating is going to be way different than mine. <laughs> okay, so I was so torn with this because, like, a quick little, like, I can't remember all the different things that we actually talk about in this episode that you've already heard. Um, but, like, the visual effects in The Phantom Menace, they're not that great. Like, they're really not that great. There, There's some stuff that just really doesn't hold up that well. And I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that doesn't hold up that well. And it's just because of the age of the movie. I mean, the movie's like 24 years old, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not no fault of its own. For the time, it was very good. Um, but because of age, I just brought this down to a 5 out of 10. So kind of just yeah. middle of the road for mm-hmm. me. Not terrible. Not that great there there was just a lot of moments where i was like the cg actually kind of pulled me out just a little bit and stuff yeah. because it was just not quite yeah there. i get that yeah i was a little more generous not by much um i actually just changed it because i was like this is a little high honestly mm-hmm. initially i was a little more forgiving because it was the time it released and yeah. i know they probably redid a lot of this stuff didn't they yeah, they did. Like the re- we we both watched the remastered version, so there was some mm-hmm. of the effects that were uh, redone yeah. or, or remastered, I should say. Um, still, I I would say I'll give it a six out of ten. Yeah, and I think this is another one for you. Like for certain ones, I think you're going to be a little more critical mm-hmm. than I will be, and I think vice yeah. versa. There's going to be some categories where I'm going to be a lot more critical. Mm-hmm. Like I still enjoy watching the movie, and it's great. And there's really not that many moments where it pulls me out. Whenever they're like full CG shots. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Gungan battles and all that stuff where everything you're seeing is CG. Yeah. That part's great. It's all the parts where they're mixing the CG characters and the actual live-action characters. Those are the moments where they didn't do a super amazing job at merging those environments that well some of the times, I felt like. So, I don't know. That's that's why it got a little lower. Like, if I were trying to credit it and be like, oh, well, it's a product of its time, I would have bumped it up to a six. Um but yeah, I'm just going to stick with the five. Yeah. I think that's fair. Next category, story slash plot. How many thoughts on okay. this? I can go first this time. Yeah, so go for it. I stated before, and you probably haven't heard it yet, but I will I will in the future state okay. that <laughs> Star Wars, I can pretty much bank on Star Wars just giving me a really cool story. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot that I don't like about this movie. Yeah. Jar Jar Banks being number one. I will say that every time. <laughs> I don't care. I like Jar Jar. Oh, well, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I do think it's a good story. And I do think it's a good plot. So I I gave that part an 8 out of 10. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. So for me, when you look at the Star Wars, you know what? Maybe this isn't fair. Because I was looking, when I look at the story and the plot, for some reason... When I was looking at this, I was thinking of it in like the greater Star Wars arc. And there's so much that happens in this film that's unnecessary and doesn't drive the plot forward. True. Like, whereas some of these other movies, everything 
in the movie that you're seeing, like every single beat of the story is actually pretty essential to watching that story. Whereas in this movie, you could take out probably like 40% of this film and it would be the same story. True. Plot-wise, I would agree. Like, but I still just like the like I like the story. Yeah. I just wish it had been executed just slightly better. I gave this a 5 out of 10. Wow. You know what? I I really I'm not going to cuz I'm going to stand by what I said, mm-hmm. but I do want to I would like to lower my score. Like I, I won't, but I want to. And I love this movie. I yeah. love this movie. Like I've already talked about it in this episode, but like I love Phantom Menace, but I'm still giving the plot slash the story like a 5 out of 10. Because there's some moments that are just, this is great. Like, this is really great story moments. This part of the movie is so good. But there's so many other parts of the movie that's just, like, unnecessary. And I don't know. It's just not that awesome. With brought it down to five for me. So like, I think I'm thinking of, like, an out. overall, an overarching story of the whole thing. Like, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, like, why I would give it an eight would be Qui-Gon being so, like, he wants so much good for Anakin. Yeah. And it just like, I've said this before too, Anakin at every turn, like there's, you have a hope for what Anakin can be, but it almost always goes wrong. <laughs> like he's the chosen one, yeah. but everything always goes wrong. He's the chosen one, but like, what did we choose him for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think basically, I, I just, I love, I think it's a Liam Neeson factor of it. Like I love, I love his story in this. Yeah, in Liam this Neeson should have bumped up every single category a little no. bit. Eh? <laughs> Um, see, I was so torn between five and six for this one as well. So I think I think it's fair. I feel fair. like I might have been a little harsh. No, I think it's fair. I was right. I was a little forgiving or a little harsh. I mean, the other thing is when you look at so if you go look up Star Wars watch order lists, if you look around, you will find a certain list that removes this movie from the list. Like completely just completely. disregards it. And then you watch this movie after you've watched everything else. They put it at the end oh. of the watch list because they're like, this movie yeah, I could see that. does almost nothing that is essential for the overarching story. It introduces some origin stories for a couple characters, which is cool and interesting to know, but it actually doesn't change anything for so, the rest of the series. So you could almost treat it like like Rogue One or Solo as yeah. it's just like it's a Star Wars story. Mhm. I oh man, I kind of wish we would have done that. <laughs> like I'm not going to lie. Cuz it's a good story, like it's an Anakin origin story. Mhm. I yeah. like that idea. There's a but lot of also, people that do that, which is why I got to stay true to my, to, my, to my man so Qui-Gon here like <laughs> That's my best friend right now. All right, let's move on. Acting. 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 Here we go. Did we skip one? Oh, no. no. I have it written out. Of oh, you have it in a different order than me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, acting. acting is not good. <laughs> this one is probably out of every single movie. Uh, I mean, there's some of the original trilogy that I think some of the acting is pretty bad, too. But um, we'll get to there eventually. But the acting in this one, there's way more bad acting than there's good acting. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> I remember talking about Natalie Portman already, so I'm going yeah. to mention it. Poor Natalie Portman, she just didn't. She was do better in the other as, two. She was much better. Yeah. Again, early role. She's a child, like you know. Uh, I won't I won't dive too much into it because we've already talked a lot about it in this episode. But I give it a four out of ten. Wow. Okay, I give it a five out of ten. Five out of ten. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I don't think I really need to say much else. I remember yeah. I talked a lot about that. 
when we I just thought there well. was more scenes that were poorly acted than there were scenes that were well acted. So I brought it below the five mark for me. Yeah. Um, all right. Next category we have is sound design slash score. John, why don't you give your thoughts? Because I have lots of thoughts on this. Okay. Uh, I you'll this is one of those where I'm like you're gonna have a bigger opinion than I will. Yes, <laughs> um, I'm not so much basing this on like sound design as I am mm-hmm. the soundtrack, and I just like the Star Wars soundtracks. I love the like yes. the orchestra feel of it. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a seven out of ten. Is it John seven out of ten? That's pretty good. Yeah. Is it John Ham? Is that the name of the uh, person John, who does the soundtrack? John Ham is the guy from Mad Men. Oh, I'm John Williams. John Williams. I think that's it. He's the one who did the score mm-hmm. for most of the Star Wars films. Um, this one is a masterpiece <laughs> for sound design. Like yeah. the sound design in this film is incredible. Just talking about the score alone, like if it if it was just the score that was good in this movie, it was so good it would have brought me up to an eight. Are you going to talk but about Duel of Fates? Put this as a nine out of ten for Whoa. score sound design. I think this movie has incredible sound design. The Duel of the Fates, like you said, is the best Star Wars song of all time. You know what? I was going to, I was going to look at it, like listen to that specific song, and then I totally forgot it. So, drive home later. I would listen to that song. It's such a good song. You hear that song, and you're instantly transported into that moment, and you wish you had a lightsaber in your hand, and you wish you were fighting. Wait, is this the song that's playing when Qui Gon? And um, Darth Maul are dueling, mm-hmm. and then um, Obi Wan. All no, that was great. This I, is, that is where the song 100% comes from. Hundred percent agree with you. Hundred percent. It's one of the greatest Star Wars songs of all 100% time, and it's so good. And it, there's other songs too that are really good, and I can't name them by name as well as I know that one. But the score is fantastic, and the sound design is also incredible. Uh, there's so many like sounds that are introduced into this with just a lot of the Nubian. Spaceships and I love stuff, the lights and the laser like fire thing. Yeah, the the lightsaber sounds were so much better in this. Like, there's just it was good. Like, even the blaster fire sounds from uh, the Nubian uh, blaster pistols. I can't remember the proper name for that, but uh, there's just a really cool sound effects in this one uh, too. I just I love the environmental sounds. Uh, oh, uh, some of the other really good like uh, sound score stuff. Um, the Gungan stuff is really cool. Like when they go underwater and like the orchestra is singing and all those different things. I just think all that stuff is really, really cool. It's just, it's so immersive. It really like pulls you into uh, the environment. Uh, I think the score is phenomenal in this film. Nine out of 10. Nine out of 10. Okay. We have very different ratings so far on this one. <laughs> we do. We really do. Uh, so far, I think other than this one, I've been lower than yeah. everything than you. Uh Character development. Okay. Do you want me to go first or do you yeah, want to go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, there's really not a lot of character development, mm-hmm. but I do – this is where, like, I don't know. I still really like the characters. Like I've said, I wish, I wish, I wish we had more Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a cool – that's a cool villain to have. Mm-hmm. And we, I just – we were robbed yeah. and we didn't get enough. I uh, really love Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon is, like – one of my favorite Star Wars characters, mm-hmm. I think. You know what's funny in Star Wars? The most loved characters in Star Wars history are all characters that have almost zero screen time. Darth Maul, not a lot of screen time. Qui-Gon Jinn, even less screen time. 
Boba Fett, almost no screen time. Those characters are so well loved. <laughs> the only thing I know about Boba Fett so far is he's a, he's the son of what's it guy's name? Mm-hmm. I forget right now. And he's in yeah. The slave you see young ship. Boba Fett, but I'm yeah. talking about like I know original else about original Boba trilogy Boba Fett. He like was the coolest thing. He's the bounty hunter. I don't even remember him right now. There you go. So you're experiencing Star Wars differently because everyone that grew up with it. There's so many toys. There's so much mm-hmm. like merchandise and stuff like around Boba Fett. Boba Fett was always well, he doesn't like the get a coolest lot of guy. Time? I think he has like under six minutes of screen in all, time in all in the original Star Wars original movies. Wow. Oh, okay, so when you're watching Attack of the Clones and like this is Boba Fett in He's your head, you're already like, oh, this is the guy. I didn't have that reaction at all. I just thought there was a kid. Oh yeah, I know exactly who he is. Hmm. Especially, I mean, the Boba Fett has a ton of uh, screen time and de- dedicated episodes in the Clone Wars show. And also there's an entire live action show, a newer one dedicated to old Boba Fett that came out called Boba Fett. Oh, for, some reason, I thought, for some reason, I forgot about Boba Fett and I thought you were talking about Mandalorian. Oh, you thought I was talking about like Mando? Like, no, 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 no. We're talking about Boba Fett, the bounty hunter. Um, anyway, sorry, that was a side tangent. Character development. So, character development. I would give it, I'm changing it right now. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Because loved the characters. They weren't really developed. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I will take that back. I'm still going to give it a 5 out of 10. I loved Qui-Gon. This is the issue. Like, there was character development, mm-hmm. but it was just the one movie. Like, you don't get a lot of him. Yeah. I would say, like, as far as, like, merits for making, like, how, how would you make, or that's the wrong phrasing. How would you consider a movie to have had good character development? I would say your main characters, um, you have an understanding of them and you have a connection to them. You care for them. I think if a movie has good character development, it means they've made you care about the characters, yeah. the main cast. I also think it's like what has the character like gone through and how has it grown them and changed them? Mm-hmm. And like you understand their motives and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I would say this movie did okay. I wouldn't say it was fantastic. I wouldn't say it was bad. I give it a six out of ten. Yeah. For character development, I, I would say well, like I also was saying like yeah. There's not really. I don't like the Anakin. I don't like Anakin in this one. Mm-hmm. He's just like an annoying kid to me. And it's just I don't a lot feel of like I get a, stories. Yeah, I don't feel like I get a lot of like from the main characters. I don't feel like you get a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It's true. A lot of a lot of like development from them yeah obi-wan maybe a bit but way more so in the other movies yeah so all right moving on we've talked a lot about this in this episode already so i don't need to devolve devolve delve 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 into it too much i don't know know. words and words all right last category we got script writing slash dialogue okay i'll talk about dialogue i'm gonna change my name because i'm being less gracious Okay. I think this is, again, just okay. Wasn't amazing. Wasn't terrible. I can't really think of too much dialogue that was just like, oh, my gosh, this is just so terrible. Like, there's a few random, like, quips and stuff and, like, comments from certain characters, um, especially, like, like C-level characters, like people that you are just kind of, like, making comments from the sidelines uh, that are pretty cheesy and stuff, like, especially during, like, the pod racing and things like that. But... I don't know. It wasn't that bad. There are like, some really good. I actually, I don't know. I, don't, I have good. some some lines that I wrote down. 
that I thought were like they really stood out to me. Mm. One was uh, when when Sidious says, "I will make it legal," because that just shows you like, oh, this is a person that has power. Yeah. So it's kind of like an inference, like mm-hmm. a foreshadowing of revealing who who he actually is. Mm-hmm. This one I almost want to bump up higher before I even say my number. Like I'm so tempted. Yeah. Another, I just want to, another, another Palpatine line that I really like hmm. was um, when he meets uh, young Anakin and he says, and you young Skywalker, we will watch your career with great yes. interest. I yes. like that because like, oh, he's already going to like, this is already like, I'm going to sink my teeth into this guy. Like yeah. I'm going to really get after him. Yeah. I think we talked about that a little bit in yeah? this episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we recorded this one, so forgive we us if that, we're talking about stuff we already talked about. I think we recorded that in like late February. It was late February, and pulling back the curtain, it's we're not in like April. late April. <laughs> um, sorry, it's taken us a while to get through all this. Um, all right, I'm I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna change it because I I really do like a lot of stuff. Seven out of ten for me. I was just saying the same thing. I originally had it a five, but now that I thought about some more, I bumped it up two points. I had a six before, but yeah. I, I feel like it deserves a seven. Like, there is a lot of really good stuff. It it's Yes, there is a lot of cheesy stuff, mostly from Anakin. A lot of Anakin's lines, yeah. fairly cheesy, not that great, but he's a kid. Um, Yeah. That yeah. was a loud boom. Yeah, sorry, I hit the desk. <laughs> um, All right, let's average out our ratings. Okay, I got to... All right, here we go. Fi- my final score was six, even. How is mine higher than yours? You had a lot. Most of your categories were higher than mine. Oh, true. Okay, I guess I'm. I guess I was a little more, a little higher. Yeah, I'm at a six point three. Six point three. Yeah. Okay, that's not that much higher. All right, so that gives us an average rating six point one. So 6.15, so 6.2. All right, so the official Millennial Falcon Phantom Menace review score is 6.1 out of 10. Fair. I feel like that's fair. That's very fair. I feel like that's fair. I think originally when I was like going through this, I had it at like a 5.2, mm. and I was like, oh, it's not that bad of a movie. Come on. And I just really I was expecting I had to, think to hate a lot this more. one a lot more. <laughs> I always loved this movie. This movie, yeah. like... We don't really need to talk about it much more because we talked so much about it already. But yeah, I love the Phantom Menace. All right, we are done cutting in. Here is us ending the podcast. Goodbye. There's a lot of Star Wars movies I like better than this one. Yeah, this is my least favorite. I will say it still. Uh, it's not my least favorite. Which one's your least favorite? Or do you want to save that? Tell I don't know. I don't know if I'm confident. Tell me off air. Yeah, I think I'll save that because I'm not I'm not fully confident. I, I'd be excited to once we finish this in however long that's gonna take us, when we actually get to episode nine eventually one of these days. Um, I'm excited to like go through and rank them all. Yeah. yeah. So that would be fun. All right. This was the Millennial Falcon. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye.